podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. The Two-Footed Podcast is brought to you by EPLindex.com and our presenting sponsor, Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is a VPN provider. A virtual privacy network allows you to go online, change your location, access things you're geo-blocked from while keeping your data safe. So, as an example, if you are a UK expat and want access to BBC iPlayer to watch Match of the Day or ITV Hub or all four, but you get that message that says this content is not available in your location, a Liberty Shield VPN gets you around that block, allows you to watch whatever you want on those services while also keeping your data safe. And it goes further than that. It allows you to open up Netflix's entire library by just changing your IP address. Liberty Shield is the number one rated VPN provider on Trustpilot with five-star ratings across the board. So go to libertyshield.com right now, use the code EPL25, and get either the hardware package or the software package. The hardware package is a router that you plug into your existing router, and any item you want to change the IP address on, be it your phone or your television, you connect that to the new Liberty Shield router. All other items can remain connected to your existing router. There's also a software package, which is instantly downloadable to your device, and you can get using straight away. Again, libertyshield.com, EPL25 for 25% off at checkout. We're also brought to you by Home of Hopcroft, a giftware and homeware company located in Scotland, but shipping worldwide. Check out homeofhopcroft.co.uk and do check out the EPL Index and Anfield Index shops, which you'll find on Etsy. Use the codes EPL10 or RED10 for 10% off at checkout. And lastly, do remember to check out a tad predictable hosted by Tadiwa. That podcast is on this feed before every Premier League match week. And then the EPL Roundtable, hosted by Kevin DeVries, on its own EPL Roundtable feed. So just search EPL Roundtable in your podcast device. And that's out after every match week. Now, on with the show. What's good, boys and girls? Two for the podcast. Today is Friday, the 19th of January. Hope you're all well. Uh, weather update, we are at four degrees. Yesterday, it never got above one. Stayed in the minuses for most of the day. The weekend is set to be wet, but a lovely seven or eight degrees and four and five overnight, which is better than freezy, icy roads. So all is looking well here. Um, right. We will have Guy Drinkle join us for a preview of the five Premier League games that are on this weekend. First and foremost, we will do the news and the gossip. And Jordan Henderson, for some reason, is dominating the head football headlines, uh, having signed for Ajax. Um, reports that his jersey, which he will wear number six at Ajax, is the fastest-selling Ajax jersey in history. Has there ever been a big club 
hit a such a low as Ajax. Henderson says that his move to Ajax is purely a football move. It's nothing to do with trying to avoid tax. If you believe that, I have a bridge to sell you. It's only had one owner. It's in good condition. Get in touch. I'll give you a favorable price. Um, Jurgen Klopp says he doesn't know how... He's, he's unsure how people dare to judge Henderson. Well, because he presented himself as something, used the media to create an image for himself, had unmatched PR, was held up higher than any bang average player has ever been held up before, and then spat in the faces of all those people who who got behind him, all those people in the LGBTQ community, and took the money and ran off to Saudi Arabia. And now, six months later, having failed miserably in Saudi Arabia, is turning his back on uh, Al-Etifak and the Saudi Pro League and moving to, let's be fair, a very poor league. The Eredivisie is dross. He says it's a football move. It's not. He's gone there to avoid tax. If it was a football move, he'd be moving back to England. He says he's got the Euros on his mind. There are Premier League clubs that would have taken him in. Not good teams, but there are teams. Look at the bottom half of the table. There are teams there that would have taken Jordan Henderson, without question. You think Sheffield United wouldn't have taken him for six months? Or Burnley? Or Luton? Now, Everton wouldn't because of the connection to Liverpool. I don't think Brentford would have. I don't think Forrest would have, but Palace would have. So he could have gone to Palace, he could have gone to Luton, Burnley, or Sheffield United. If he wanted to make it about football, that's who he'd be joining. He's not doing it for football. He's doing it to avoid tax. Um, but yeah, you know, the best of luck at Ajax. And apologies to all Ajax fans for having to watch him play. Uh, Ivan Tony is back and will make his return this weekend. He did a six-minute walk and talk wander around Brentford's training ground with Brentford's in-house media. And Ivan Tony seems confident, ready to perform, ready to score goals. And it's huge. It is absolutely huge for Brentford to get their best player back. Uh, West Ham United are being linked with a move for Calvin Phillips. They tried to get him last summer, you'll remember, and then that all fell apart. So it would make sense that they go back to the well for him. Um, in the Asian Cup, Iraq have beaten Japan today by two goals to one. Iraq were 2-0 uh, up. Al-Mafraji scored both goals. Then Maturo Endo scored uh, a late, late consolation for Japan, but it wasn't enough. Uh, at the moment, Vietnam and Indonesia are playing out a nil-nil draw. In the AFCON last night, if you missed it, Egypt and Ghana played out a very exciting 2-2 draw. Um, Ghana went... One up, Mohamed Kudus, just before halftime. 
Mamouche equalised for Egypt. Two minutes later, Ghana went back ahead once again through Kudus. This was a great goal. And then three minutes later, Abdallah scores. We got three goals in five minutes. Uh, Mo Salah forced off with an injury in that one, which has to put Egypt's future in this tournament in doubt because their remaining game in the group is against Cape Verde, who you would expect to top the group now. Ghana will play Mozambique. You would expect them to win that. So potentially Egypt finishing third on two points. Now, four of the six third-place teams will go through, but Egypt with only two points might not be one of those teams. So they might find themselves going home early, which is good news for Liverpool fans, especially if Salah's injury is not too serious. Uh, Let's check in on the transfer journalist groups and see what's going on. Um, Ivan Perisic has left Spurs to join Hadjik Split on loan till the end of the season. Uh, He's recovering from an ACL tear, obviously close to a return, so best of luck to him. Um, West Ham have made an approach for Emile Smith-Rowe. Arteta said, I'm really happy with Emil. We are really happy. He's in the right trajectory. He settled really well and training very well. I'm not sure why he would need to settle, considering he's been at that club since he's about seven. Uh, but if you're really happy with him, why don't you play him? Um, Bayern Munich are targeting Kieran Trippier as a potential option at right back. Very, very strange. Very, very strange. Harry Kane obviously deciding that learning German is too hard, so he's going to force the club to buy some bang average English players. Uh, Kieran, uh, Kieran Dyer joining Eric, Kieran Trippier and Eric Dyer. Uh, Al Etihad and Atletico Madrid are in negotiations over Angel Correa. And if Atleti move Correa on, they will bring in Moise Keane on loan from Juventus. Um, Goncalo Guedes is leaving Benfica after a failed loan from Wolves and he is going to Villarreal on loan to replace Ben Britton Diaz. Bayern are also still in talks for Nordi Mukieli. I think that one does make quite a bit of sense. He can play right back and play centre back. So he's got that versatility. And obviously Mazraoui will come back from AFCON and injuries and whatever else and he'll be back in the team, you'd imagine, uh, fairly quick. Uh, we'll check in on John Percy, see what he's got for us. Um, Aston Villa have made a second offer for Middlesbrough forward Morgan Rogers. Turned down again, and Burrow are adamant he will not leave for less than full value. That's interesting. Morgan Rogers, <clears throat> about oh four years ago maybe, was one of the most highly touted young players in England, probably five years ago when he was about 16 and he was at West Brom and he was seen as, you know, this is a a future star and he made the wrong move. He went to Manchester City at 17 and then he had loans at Lincoln, at Bournemouth and at Blackpool and none of them really went well. He joined Borough on a permanent transfer in the summer 
And he scored six goals thus far in 26 outings, can play all across the front line. That's a really interesting one. That's a really interesting one. I, I could I could see the logic in that move. But what I will say is, if Villa had needed another young forward, wouldn't it have made more sense to just keep Cameron Archer? Or to, you know, if you wanted a, a wide attacking midfielder, wouldn't you just have kept Aaron Ramsey? I mean, they do have a bunch of very talented young players of their own, uh, including young Louis Barry, who's on loan at Stockport. Um, they also let, didn't they let Jaden Filigen leave in the summer as well? Another very talented young wide player. Yeah, he left on a permanent deal to join Hull in the summer. So like they, they did let some really good young players leave. You'd wonder what the what the real plan is there with with those with that academy because they've got a great academy. But when you're selling three of your most promising youngsters, and obviously Carney Chukwemeka left in the last twelve to eighteen months as well, another super talented player like that's four that have gone out the door. And Morgan Rogers, like I say, very very talented, but you had equal talents in house. Uh, Birmingham City are close to signing QPR midfielder Andre Dazelle on loan for the rest of the season. Um, he would be the first signing under Tony Mowbray. Now, Andre Dazelle is a very talented player, came through the Ipswich Academy. He had a bad knee injury, and that really just it completely changed the trajectory of his career. I, I think he was on his way to being a Premier League player. He's the son of Jason Dazelle, who was a very, very good player um, back in the 80s and 90s for Ipswich and then Spurs. Unfortunately, that knee injury completely curtailed what, what would have been a really good career here for, for Andre. But he's, he's a good championship player, and I think he could do very well. He, he's a really good passer of the ball. So that would suit what Tony Mowbray is looking for from his team. Uh, let's see. Um, Mike McGrath. Yes. He, 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 I think he had the exclusive on Trippier. Uh, Reese Healy has had a medical at Huddersfield ahead of a deal from Watford. Ipswich have made a bid for Sheffield Wednesday winger Marvin Johnson to give him dream move in promotion attempt to the Premier League. Obviously, Ipswich going very, very well. Um, Luton have shown interest in Nelson Abbey and Tom Holmes, and they have now signed, they've actually signed Tom Holmes now. He's going to go back on loan to Reading for the rest of the season. Um, that's another good move by Luton. And that, that again is a move towards being a really strong championship team next season. Uh, Nelson Abbey now potentially the next one there. Um, let's see who else will we check in with. Spurs seem to be. Very, very busy. Spurs are in talks with Club Bruges over a move for Antonio Nusa, super talented Norwegian winger, 
Um, it looks like it would be a loan, a, a buy with a loan back where he would stay with Club Bruges until the summer. Uh, but it looks like Spurs are very, very keen to get that deal done now and avoid potentially what could be uh, a significant auction for him in the summer. Um, Aston Villa and Copenhagen have both sent formal bids for Icelandic goalkeeper Hakan Raffin Valdemarsen. Um, it looks like Villa have the, the, the higher bid in for the moment. So we will see what happens there. Let's just check in with Ornstein and see if he's got anything for us. Mr. Ornstein. Uh... Oh, there's more fluff and bluster about Jordan Henderson um, from The Athletic. Ornstein has the the story of Morgan Rogers as well. Ornstein also broke the news that Steven Gerrard has signed a two-year contract extension with Al Etifak. Uh, great news for Gerrard. Strange, strange it must be said, considering how poor they've been. But I suppose he deserves it because, first of all, he re-established himself as the best captain Liverpool have had since Souness by saving them from Jordan Henderson's terrorism football, and then <coughs> binned him off from Al Etifak. So give him all the money. On to the gossip. Manchester United are considering a revamp of their defence in the summer, which could mean Harry Maguire and Victor Lindelof leaving if significant offers are made for them. I think they would throw them out the door as quickly as possible. I call this next one, though. Former Juventus current Bayern Munich and Netherlands defender, Matthias De Ligt, is one of the targets being considered by the Red Devils. I would I would be fairly confident that he ends up there. That De Ligt ends up at United. Fulham have made a bid of 30 million plus a further 5 million in add-ons for Andre of Fluminense. Now, I don't personally believe that that fee is correct. I think that's higher than it is going to be. But I do think that move will get done, which I've been saying since October. Uh, Sporting Lisbon manager Ruben Amram says Chelsea will, will have to trigger the 85.6 million or 100 million euro release clause of Victor Jacarez if they want to sign the 25-year-old. Makes sense. Stick to your guns. Uh, Calvin Phillips and West Ham. Manchester City have a strong interest in bringing... Pedro Porro and Douglas Louise back to the club in deals that could cost them 200 million. On what planet would those deals cost 200 million? Like, let's be fair. Douglas Louise is a good to very good midfielder. Villa might ask for, a, for 80 million. They would take 60. And Pedro Porro is not going to cost 100 million or anything close to it. Um, but Spurs are also not going to sell. So that's not going to happen. Saudi Pro League clubs are ready to revive their interest in Egyptian forward Mohamed Salah. I think Salah is aware enough to look at that league and say it's a train wreck and he's not going anywhere close to it. Newcastle may sell Jolington if they fail to agree an extension to the 27-year-old's contract. Um, realistically, Jolington is not going to be good enough for when Newcastle want to be winning major trophies. So, yeah, cash in them this summer. Maybe you'll get 
most of what you paid from back, paid 40 million from, they might get 30 from this summer. And that will all count as profit because his fee will have amortized off their books. Uh, French striker Karim Benzema is open to leaving Al Itihad, but while the 36 year old believes a move to England is a possibility, his wages may pro- prove a stumbling block. Um, James Madison is aiming to return from a knee injury for Spurs' fourth round FA Cup game against Manchester City on the 26th of January. That's great news for Spurs. Leeds are working to sign Joe Roden on a permanent deal. He's there on loan at the moment, has been very, very good for them. Uh, So that one does make a lot of sense. Uh, French club Lyon are trying to sign Arnaud Danjuma, who's on loan at Everton from Villarreal. Amadou Onana has been linked with Arsenal, but Sean Dyche has played down speculation. He's only been linked by clueless people on Twitter, really. Uh, Spanish defender Javier Manquillo is set to leave Newcastle and join Celta Vigo. And that that makes sense because it was Rafa Benitez who signed him for Newcastle. And Rafa Benitez is the manager of Celta Vigo. So it's obviously a player he rates. And finally then, yeah, Moise Keane potentially going to Atleti. Right, folks, I will be back after this break. Right, welcome back. So we are joined, as always, on a Friday by Guy Drinkle. How are you, sir? Cold. It is cold. It is cold, but it is meant to get warmer now over the weekend and through next week. Uh, A balmy 13 degrees, I believe, scheduled for Thursday. So the shorts will be out. Mm. It's Um, already up to four here. It was (laughs) minus one yesterday. So we on the up. We are. We are. We're looking up. We're looking up. Uh, I wonder how much it is getting on in the 25 degrees he's getting in, in Mexico. The horrible man. Must be hellish, mustn't it? Must just be terrible. Must be terrible to, to live that life. Um, but we're not bitter. Uh, we do have five games in the Premier League this weekend. We had five last weekend, and this weekend will work the same. There are no 3 p.m. kickoffs on Saturday once again. It's 12.30, 5.30. Two games on Sunday and then one on Monday so it's a little bit like COVID where the games were scheduled so they were all on television and I have to say I'm in I'm in favour, I, I wouldn't be against uh, a return to all the games being televised the way they were despite people, you know what got me Guy, I was thinking about this the other day when I was looking at the schedule people constantly complain about the 3pm blackout but yet the same people were the ones complaining there was too much football on during COVID when they gave us every single game live. So there's just no way for the broadcasters to win on this. Yeah, it's not great, is it? I mean, the thing about the 3pm blackout is it's about, say, protecting lower league and local clubs and stuff like that. You're not really much of a fan if you're going to sit in and watch what's, an, what's a 3pm kickoff next week. If you're planning to watch Burnley Fulham over going to a local game, you're not really a fan, are you? No, no, exactly, exactly. So, like, what is your, what is your beef like? Very strange. Hopefully, it gets reworked. I think it is getting reworked, isn't it, in the near future? But anyway, we have football, and we promised a short version, and we've already done a tangent. <laughs> right. <clears throat> so, where do we start? Uh, we start on half 12, as you mentioned. This is on TNT in the usual slot for UK people. And we have Arsenal hosting Crystal Palace, Dave. Um, 
Arsenal goal scoring problems have been done to death by everyone, but they are very relevant. And Crystal Palace, just uh, midweek wouldn't have helped. I, I, I noticed, uh, seen in the reports that uh, Hodgie was getting booed. I think the Eze sub sparked that. But he did make a point. He has to protect them because they're playing Wednesday in half 12. So it's a very odd situation. But, I mean, Arsenal's goal-scoring wars aside, they should win this game regardless, whoever the hell they've got up to. Yeah, they should. I mean, Palace have obviously been... They've been poor this season. And they currently sit 14th in the league. They've won one of their last five. If you look at the form table... You have to go all the way down to 16th over the last 10 games to find Crystal Palace. Now, Arsenal haven't been great themselves. They are seventh in the form table with four defeats in their last 10, which obviously isn't great. Um, they had that, that kind of same wobble last season and then bounced back from it and looked like they might actually hold on. Wasn't to the extent of the most re- this this recent wobble where they've won only one in five and are coming off back to back defeats and three defeats in those five, but they did have a wobble sort of around this time last year, got themselves back on track and then obviously collapsed once the real pressure started. We head into this weekend with Arsenal being without Julian Timber, without Fabio Vieira, without Tom- Thomas Partey. Obviously, El Neni is at Afcon and Tommy Asu is at the Asian Cup. They have doubts over Zinchenko and Gabriel Jesus, but they're at home and they will be strongly favoured to beat Crystal Palace. And rightly so. I mean, Arsenal sit fourth in the league with 40 points. That's nearly double the amount of Crystal Palace who have 21. Palace themselves this weekend, no Decoure. He's got the Achilles tear. He would be, he would be at AFCON anyway. No Rob Holding, no Joel Ward, no Jordan Ayew who's at AFCON. And most importantly, no Michael Elise, which isn't good at all. Uh, he obviously missed a big chunk of the season with an injury. Now he's got another one. It's probably a result of the first one. Can often be the case where one muscle injury will lead to another because there's compensation made or whatever. So hopefully that's nothing serious, but that is a big blow for Palace ahead of this game. Even with Arsenal not in particularly good form, <clears throat> it's it's Crystal Palace they're playing without two of their three best players. Four, two of their four best players. Let's we put Guehi into that group as well. But still, um, I don't think I don't think they've got enough in attack to uh, to hurt Arsenal too badly. So we'll go Arsenal to win three one. Yeah, yeah, I think Arsenal should win that one. Uh, Brentford Forest, Dave, um, half five kickoff. This one's on Sky. Um, I suppose the first thing to note: Ivan Tony's back. Ivan Tony is back, and Ivan Tony, according to Thomas Frank, will be Brentford's captain in this game. Ooh. So, look, getting Tony back is massive. He they they're in a pretty poor position. In the form table, they're 18th over the last 10 games, only three wins against seven defeats. In the actual table, they sit 16th. They've lost their last five in a row. Now, they do have games in hand because the City game got cancelled, but do we really fancy them to get anything from City? Maybe now that Tony's back because he always causes them trouble, 
But they're only they three did the points. over them last year, didn't they? <laughs> That's exactly it. They went to the Etihad and beat them, and probably should have beaten them three one rather than was it two one and ended. I think it was two one and ended, and they missed a sitter, mm. and they did beat them down at the uh, the Brentford Community Stadium. I think that's after they'd won the league, though, to be It fair. was, yeah. The league yeah. was over, so Brentford, the City weren't really trying. But still, like to, to do the double over the champions when you're not all that long in the division and you're still trying to establish yourself, I, I think is really impressive. But they're only three points ahead of Luton right now, mm. which, you know, that's a concern. But getting Tony back is huge, especially when you look at the other injury issues they have. Rico Henry, done for the year. Brian and Bomo out till March. Aaron Hickey, out for another couple of weeks. Kevin Shade, out for another couple of weeks. Christopher Ayer is a doubt. Then they've got Visa, Onyeka and Godos all at the AFCON. And then Christian Norgard in the most recent injury that they picked up. So they are bare bones. They really are at the bare bones of a squad. Um, Taking on a Forest team, though, that likewise struggling three wins in the last 10 15th in the form table over the last 10 games six defeats in that time in the league they sit one spot ahead of Brentford one point ahead of them but have played a game more and have won their last two so at least they've found a little bit of form with Nuno there they themselves issues galore no Awani no Felipe Doubts over Alanga and Origi. Sanger, Eina, Niakate, Koyate, Bolly and Aurier all off at AFCON. And most importantly, Morgan Gibbs-White out injured. Ooh. And he's their best player. So that's, that's really tough. And as we found out on Monday, facing potential point deduction as a result of the breach of financial fair play. So it's a tough spot for them. They really need to win this game. Because if they could get to 23 points, Mm -hmm. even then with a 10-point deduction, they would only be 18th. So you're three points behind Luton. You'd give them a good chance at overhauling Luton between now and the end of the season. If it's the deduction on 20 points, that puts them in 19th. You're now six points behind Luton. That makes it a bit tougher. You'd also be behind Burnley, but you would fancy them to get past Burnley. Mm. <laughs> it's just a tough spot. There's a lot of clubs down here. Obviously, Forrest and Everton, the two most in danger because of the looming points deductions for Everton, a second points deduction. But Brentford, I mean, just so many injuries, so many key players being lost for long spells. It is just a bit of a concern. I, I do think both of these teams ultimately will be fine. Yeah. But in this game, this weekend, I'm I'm backing Ivan Tony. More more so than Brentford themselves, I'm backing Ivan Tony mm. to be the difference. I'm gonna go two one to Brentford. Yeah, both sides playing hundred and twenty minutes in the week as well, probably won't not a help. Yeah, yeah, not a help. Um I'm not especially sure Forrest mm. because Forrest really did run themselves into the ground in that game because they got 2-0 up and then they started to cruise and then they got pulled back. And when that happens, you do end up having to re-up your level. 
the the Wolves Brentford game was actually a belter of a game, to be fair. And Brentford are probably upset as well because they were two one up in that one and end up losing. But I didn't think they had to put in the physical effort as much as Brentford did. And they'll have a regular to us as well. Just, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, we'll go two one to Brentford. Yeah, it'll certainly be an interesting game, and it's got Tony Hattrick written all over it. I, I, that's it. I stopped just short of Tony Hattrick. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Great if he scored a hat-trick and then it came out that he bet on himself to get a hat-trick or something. Did you see that thing go around that Ivan Tony's back for this weekend's two-all draw with Nottingham Fox? <laughs> oh, fantastic. Uh, moving on to Sunday, then. Uh, we have Sheffield United hosting West Ham. Dave, um... I mean, the main story is West Ham, obviously, again, I think they played midweek, uh, lost to Bristol City, of course. They didn't. Mm. But the amount of players they're missing, either through injury or, more importantly, AFCON with, with Kudus, who was excellent yesterday against Egypt. Yeah. Um, it's it's such a shame, because they were clicking into life, especially as a unit, that front four, three. Um, but just the options there, I mean... That, I forgot Maxwell Corney existed, and I saw his name midweek, and I was like, oh, yeah, he was That's good. the thing. He, like, he is a good player, yeah. and he just hasn't had many opportunities since going there from Burnley. And they're, like, they, are, they are in a bit of bother with injuries. You've got Lucas Paqueta out, Ben Rama suspended, Mikel Antonio out, Jared Bowen a major doubt. Edson Alvarez, a major doubt. Kudu's at AFCON. Agard at AFCON. And Pablo Fornells is injured. So that's that's a lot of important players for West Ham. Which, you know, given this game is at Bramall Lane, should have been a big advantage for Sheffield United, who could desperately do with a win, given they sit bottom of the forum table over the last 10 games with only two wins against six defeats. Now, it's the same record as Burnley, but they've conceded 20 goals and only scored eight in their last 10. And they do sit bottom of the league and they've only taken nine points all season. Like that's really, really poor. They're worse off at this point this season than they were the last time they were in the the division when they had the all-time stinker of first 17 games. Nobody's ever been worse over the first 17 games, and yet this season they have less points than they did that season after 20 games. So they've got a ton of injuries as well. Basham, Lowe, Egan, Davies, Jebison, LaRouche and Ben Ben Slaman are both at at AFCON, but the others are all injured. But they've also got doubts over Austin Trusty, Anil Ahmed Hodzic, George Baldock and Jaden Bogle. Like you could make a championship it, team out of that. <laughs> a good championship team. Yeah. You'd make a good championship. You'd like a goalkeeper, but you'd you'd have a good championship team. This is a really tough one to call. I do think though, especially if Bowen is out, like who's scoring for West Ham if there's no Bowen, no Kudus? Who's playing? Danny who's Ings will be up front. <clears throat> like if we look at the team they played in the week against um you referenced the game against Bristol City, where they they lost. They've played Bristol, obviously, in their last two games, uh, a 1-1 draw at home, a 1-0 defeat away. 
So in that game, they had Fabianski. They went with a back three. Mavroponos, Kurt Zuma and Aaron Cresswell. They went with Sufal, Ward-Prowse, Suchek and Emerson Palmieri as a four across midfield. Max Cornet and Saeed Benrama, who was sent off behind Danny Ng. So let's take Benrama out. If Bowen is fit, he comes in for Benrama. On the bench, they had Ben Johnson, uh, Devine Mubama, Callum Marshall, Angelo Ibonna, Kalen Casey, Joseph Anang, and Oliver Scarles. Joseph Anang is a goalkeeper, so he's not going to play. You'd imagine Ariola comes back in. Mm-hmm. But if Bowen's not there, like if Bowen isn't ready to play, if he's only fit enough for the bench, <clears throat> do you start? Mabuma, Mabama. Yeah, I think you And you go Corne, Mabama, Ings as your front three. I mean, Ings has not been particularly good for West Ham. Corne has not been particularly good for West Ham. And Mubama's very, very talented. I think he's going to be a good player, but he's very young. It's a lot of pressure to put on him. There's no real, like, unless you get a Ward Prowse set piece and a Suchek header or a All the corners. All the corners. The only path I really see for them scoring in this game is corners and set pieces. Corners and free kicks. Um, They're going to have a tough time scoring goals. Now, on the plus side for them, Sheffield United are desperate defensively. 49 goals conceded in 50 games. So two and a half goals a game they're conceding, which is a staggering amount, while scoring 0.75 goals a game. When that's your ratio, that's not good, and you're not going to get many points in this league. But I am going to back Sheffield United to get something from this game. I'm going to go for a 1-0 Sheffield United win with Cameron Archer scoring the winner. Now, I do, I do, I must say, I do like the addition of Ben Breerton Diaz for mm. Sheffield United. I think him and Archer could be a very, very good pairing. I, I think their skill sets should link up very, very well. So if they've got those two with, say, Gustavo Hammer behind them, where I, I, he's one of the few that have impressed me in that team this year. Um, some of the younger players have looked pretty good. Andre Brooks looks a decent player. Yeah. You know, so th- I think they they could have enough going forward to cause West Ham problems. The issue is going to be they're going to have to get tighter at the back. They need to add. They need to add one in defence in this window. But in midfield, you've got James McAtee, who's a very very good player. You've got um, obviously Vinicius Sousa, who's been I think their best player this year. Uh, Osola, Osola, Osola is another one that's impressed me this year, the Mm -hmm. young Dane. So they do have some threats going forward. The midfield is pretty strong. Like, they could they go Osola? Because he played 4-3-3, I think, last time out. Osola and Archer, either side of Ben Breert and Diaz. Then you go McAtee, Sousa, and Hammer in midfield. The issue is, unless Trusty is fit and he's willing to go Trusty and Ahmed Hodzic, they're really poor at centre-back. You need to get Luke Thomas in that team at left-back. 
and then Jaden Bogle at right back. I mean, that's not a bad team. You'd want a centre-back to go next to Amit Hodzic, but it's not a bad team. It's certainly not nine points from 20 games kind of bad. Don't like the goalkeeper, but, you know, mm. it is what it is. You get a goalkeeper and a centre-back, I mean, they probably will go down bar a miracle run like mm. West Brom back in yesteryear. But um, goalkeeper, centre-back, not a sure thing to come back up because you look at the teams who've gone down recently. Some do just get caught in the championship vortex, but they're not exactly going to lose many, you'd think. Like, no. Archer maybe, but if anything, would he not just wait till maybe Aston Villa become reinterested if they do? Possibly. Uh, and, like, it's not like he's... <coughs> with three goals in 17 league games, it's not like he's made a massive case. Yeah. Like, he's been good... He's he he impresses me most times I watch him play, but it's not like he's got twelve goals and you're thinking, well, there's no way he's going down with them. Yeah, if like, you're like Wolves and you're mid table, you're not going to go. We need to spend thirty mil on him when he gets relegated. Exactly, exactly. So there is a good chance they could keep pretty much all. Maybe Ahmed Hodzic is the one they'd lose. Uh, but again, he's had some really, really rocky performances this year. Vinicius Seuss is the one I would say probably doesn't go down. I do think he's done enough to suggest that another Premier League team could come mm-hmm. in and nab him. But then I don't know who that would be. You know, we again, how many, how many like Watford, for instance, they basically kept all there. Yeah, yeah. that's it. I mean, how many times they bring Ishmael Asar <laughs> down? Yeah, twice I think. So, like, the thing is. What could stand in their favour is what I referenced earlier, is the Forest and Everton situations. If Everton get 10 points taken off them, Sheffield United are no longer bottom of the league. You know, all of a sudden, you go from being bottom to being 19th. Then, if Forest get 10 points taken off them, the team in 18th is only one point ahead of you. And then all of a sudden, safety has gone from, as it stands right now, being basically nine points because your goal difference is so bad, to only being four points. Because all you'd have to do is overhaul Burnley and then keep pace with those other teams. You don't have to to do more than them. You just need to match them, result for result. You'll have the buffer of the points. So maybe that's like that's their best chance is that those two teams, Forrest and Everton, get ten points deducted. I think that might be their only real chance at survival. Um but they are setting themselves up well for next season, I think. I think that squad, I mean, they they might lose McAtee, you never know. They might get to keep him again. We don't know what City's plans are with him. Brierton Diaz, I don't imagine that they'd be able to keep, but I think they could keep Luke Thomas. You know who who I think should be their starting left back. I think they could keep Bogle. They'd be able to keep Hammer probably for a year. They've got you know those young options in attack. Probably be able to keep them. Like it's it's not the long term view is not as stark as the short term view. They will need to reinvest, which again could be questionable if they go go down but it's not like they came up and spent a fortune yeah they didn't land into the Premier League and spend massive amounts because they sold Sander Berger and Illiman and Jai two of their best players and that funded quite a bit of what they did in the summer window um, and like you know Benny Traore player they bought for a decent amount of money he hasn't really 
hit the level in the Premier League, but maybe go drops down to the Championship as a young player, only 21, and maybe he finds a good vein of form. Now, he's gone on loan uh, to Nantes for the rest of this season. There is an option to make it permanent, which you know shows how how iffy things have been with him and Sheffield United so far this season. But maybe they get him back and he could maybe spark next season. We've seen it happen. Remember Arnaud Denjuma when he went to Bournemouth and was dreadful and they tried yeah. to get rid of him and couldn't? And he went into the championship. He was brilliant for them. Uh, Anis Sleman, I think next season we could see the real Anis Sleman. I think he's one that could be very, very good. Like if your long-term midfield could be him... Vinnie, uh, Vinnie Sosa, and if you could keep McAtee, because City might sell, they've sold a bunch of young players recently, that's a really strong midfield that you could grow together, put Hammer in front of them as like a, a almost a defensive 10, who's a good playmaker, then maybe if Traore came back, him and Archer click and spark and it works in the championship, mm. Ahmed Hodzic, Luke Thomas, if you could keep him. Jebison um, gets well, hopefully. Yeah, Jebison would be Jebison would be a big get get back for them. I think he's very talented, mm. and he's different as well. He's a different type of attacker to these smaller, quicker attackers. He's kind of a, got that target man element as well. Like it wouldn't take much if they went down. I don't think to turn them into a very strong contender. If you could keep McAtee and Thomas, even if it's lo- another year of loans, buy a centre back, buy a goalkeeper, and keep everybody else. Just, you know, convince them on it. You don't have to accept offers. Just because we go down doesn't mean you have to sell players. You haven't overextended yourself this year. So you could financially take the hit by going down, been really strong and coming back up. And maybe that's what they should do. Maybe they should use this window as a, a, a prep for for the summer to be ready to come back up next season. Um, But I'm going to go 1-0. I'm going to back them to keep a clean sheet, which is probably foolish. Yeah, especially if you mentioned the injuries. Whole in, whole defence is injured. Yeah. Uh, yeah but, all, but all West Ham's strikers are out as well. So. That's true. Just stop. Just don't give them corners, lads. That's all you need to do. Um, later, well, later, kick-off on Sunday, then Bournemouth hosting Liverpool, Dave. Um, this, Bournemouth have a lot of people missing. Um, well, a few through AFCON as well, as injuries, etc. Whereas Liverpool... Well, we have permanent injuries <laughs> coming back, but they are coming back later in January, but too early for this game, seemingly. Um, Liverpool need to win this if they are to uh, not confirm themselves, continue themselves as title contenders because a very injury hit Bournemouth. It, it doesn't mm. matter what Liverpool's situation is. They do need to to win these games. Yeah, they do. They do. Uh, you've got no Tyler Adams... Hamad Traore is gone now. He was on the injury list, but he's gone to Napoli on loan with an option to buy. Marcus Sinisi is suspended, so that's a big blow for them. Milos Kerkez is injured. That's a big blow. Lloyd Kelly is injured. Ryan Fredericks is injured. And then Oatara and Semenyo are both at AFCON. They've they've both been starting of late, uh, Oatara at left back. And Darren Randolph is, is out and has been for most of the season. Um... Liverpool, on the other hand, no matchup done for the season, but Besetic and Thiago, it's looking like it'll be the end of next month before they're back, but they're working their way back. Simicus is probably two weeks away. 
But Klopp did confirm that Robertson, Sabozlai and Alexander-Arnold are getting very close to a return. Endo's at the Asian Cup and Salah's at AFCON and has also picked up a knock that might actually be super beneficial for Liverpool if it causes Egypt to crash out. Um, these are the top two teams in the forum table over the last 10 games. Liverpool played 10, won 6, drawn 4, lost none, scored 20, conceded 9, plus 11, and 22 points. Bournemouth won 7, drawn 1, lost 2, scored 22, conceded 15, plus 7, 22 points. So Bournemouth have more wins and goals scored in their last 10 games than the team top of the table, which will tell you what a great job Iraola has done at turning this around after the foolish people rushed to demand he be sacked. We talked about this 10, 12 weeks ago. Foolish people coming out demanding that he be sacked after seven, eight games. It took a bit of time, but he has them really humming now, playing excellent football. And they'll be a tough test for Liverpool. But it's it's about where your injuries are and what cover you have. And unfortunately for them, both of their left backs are out. They, and the guy that had been filling in is gone to AFCON. Both of their left side centre-backs, one of whom is one of the left backs, are out. The guy who's going to fill in there is not left-footed. Therefore, it'll change the dynamic of how they build up. So I'd imagine Chris Metham, I assume. I imagine Chris Metham is the one that steps in. Yeah. Alongside Zavarni. That's a weak link. Yeah. Unless they've got a young young footman. Um... And they're missing Semenyo, who's been one of their best players in this good run. So, you know, they've got cover there with, with Sinistera and with Clivert, so they'll be fine. But defensively, those those issues, that, that entire left side of your defence is gone. So now it's going to be makeshift, and Liverpool will look to punish that. So um, I'm going to back Liverpool to win. I'll go 3-1. This is a game they have to win. Because, like you said, they, they need to keep... Their foot to the floor. They're two points ahead of Manchester City. Same number of games played. Same goal difference. But a win here gives them a five-point gap. Even with City having a game in hand, you'd rather have points on the board. So Liverpool to win this one 3-1. Moving on to Monday, then, we have Brighton hosting Wolves Day. This one's on TNT for UK people. Uh, Bournemouth, Liverpool, Sky, and the other one's TNT. Um, I don't know why they're messing about with Super Sunday and stuff, but just, just being annoying as usual. Yeah, TNT have four of the games this weekend, don't they? Yeah, they had, I think they had four last weekend as well. Maybe it might be some package, separate package or something for the winter break or whatever. But anyway, uh, Brighton Wolves, Dave. Um, two good teams. I mean, Wolves, unfortunately, Huang form of his life is at the Asia Cup. Yeah. Uh, probably not a shame for him, but a shame for Wolves. Um, whereas Brighton... Uh, the form table, but I think the main talking point about Brighton is Joe Pedro. I think we did a bit mm. on him. It was either uh, two weeks ago or last week in talking about how excellent form he is and if they could keep him, etc. It it does seem to me anyway, if 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 Brighton stopped with the mad rotation, which may have been a, a Europa League thing, which is obviously not coming back for another month or so, 
if they do settle into something, maybe Jao Pedro and Evan Ferguson's probably what most people want to see, but he does like Danny Welbeck. Um, I know there's a lot of injuries and absences in, in the wing spot, but Adringa's... Is he at AFCON? He's got out, gone to AFCON, is yeah. He AFCON? yeah, bloody AFCON. Or is he injured? I think you know. I think he's injured, but he's at AFCON. I think he's. I think he's both. I think Matoma's the same. He's injured, but he's gone to the Asian Cup. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I don't, I, know, I don't I, know what I don't point know to make. No, <laughs> they've got no wiggers. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Like, I mean, Ansu Fati is also out injured, so mm. you know that's another one. Um, Solly March. They're hopeful he's going to be back really soon. He's back in training. Whether he's ready to play or not, I don't know. Um, Tariq Lamptey would have been an option wide, but he's also injured. He would have been at Afghan anyway, wouldn't he? Probably. Probably would have gone with Ghani, yeah. Um, Brighton have no Veltman. And CISO is getting very, very close. Uh, no Lamptey, no Fatty, no Matoma, no Adingra. They're hopeful that Igor will be back and Solly March is, is getting close to a return. So it is a lot. Like, it's a lot of players to be without. Um, and that's been kind of a a theme of their season is they've had an awful lot of injuries this year, which they didn't have to deal with last year. So I would guess maybe Buenanote starts on one side. He's not a winger as such. He's more of an attacking midfielder, but he does like to play on that right side mm-hmm. and put in. And maybe they have to stick Pascal Grouse then on the left wing. You, you know you know it'd be Adam Lallana, don't you? It could be. I mean, but he, he might be playing the 10, you know? Like, Gross can play everywhere, and he can do a, well, a good job. Well, he might everywhere. be needed at right back, to be fair. Yeah, I mean, they're, they are... He's not, they he are struggling. Trust, he doesn't trust Webster anymore, seemingly, does he? So I doubt no. he'll play right back. No, I don't think I don't think Webster will play much at all. Hinchel would right back. Hinchel would right back or Milner right back. Or Milner, it's, yeah. It's not good options either way. Hinchel would, I do think, is a very promising midfielder, um, but he's you know he's not a right back. Um, I mean, it, yeah, like you said, maybe Pascal Grouse plays right back, and maybe maybe he does go Lalana left wing. Maybe that's what he has to do. I mean, you look at the squad and they are getting very much down to to the crunch of not having enough players. I mean, mm. who knows? Maybe maybe Solly March is almost ready and maybe he's on the bench and can come on. Maybe they'll just spawn someone. <laughs> just I mean, look, he could, he could he could always stick Welbeck out wide if he if he really needed someone to do a job. Just stick Danny Welbeck out in the left wing and he he will run himself into the ground for you. Well, yeah, their left winger can play pretty narrow anyway, stooping and being the main width anyway. I mean, they could not... always play a stooping and left wing. You know, they could they could throw him forward and maybe try and play, if Igor is fit enough, play Igor at left back and go with Dunk and Van Hecke in the middle. That might be a play for them. Um, Milner left wing. Milner left wing would be would just be absolutely fantastic stuff. Um, Brighton in the last 10 games, three wins, five draws, two defeats. So not great, but they're hard to beat, which is impressive considering how many injuries they've had and how he is having to patch that team together. When you look at the fact that only the top four have lost less games than Brighton in the league this season, I do think that's quite impressive. 
Uh, Wolves are actually better in the form table than them. Wolves have won five, drawn one and lost four. Wolves always seem to up their game for the bigger teams, but generally at home, not so much away. They're without Joe Gomes, who's suspended. Johnny Otto, who the poor fella has just been injured on and off for the he last... Did, he did fight a team out as well. <laughs> yes. Whatever it was. Yeah. I mean, but he's been injured on and off for the yeah. last... So he was pretty. He was a very steady... He was. That's it. He's, he's a, he's a solid fullback. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think he did. I think he got into a scrap at the training ground. And that's why... Um, We'll walk, not, alleg- we'll walk in allegedly in there. Just allegedly. <laughs> allegedly, he, he did get in a scrap. I wouldn't be surprised if he leaves this month, to be honest. Maybe that's just he what He probably already do. has, and we just never noticed. <laughs> uh, Wang is at the Asian Cup, like you said, and Eight Nuri and Bubakar Traore are both at AFCON. So, you know, not the worst situation. Everybody's without at least four players. Every Premier League team is either without or has doubts over at least four players. Wolves, it's five. And one of them is a even Man City. Man City, uh, no Stones, no Akanji, no Haaland. and then Ederson got that horrible looking injury from Kyle oh, Walker, yeah. been a klutz. So he's currently not training or anything. So at the moment they do have um, Pep will be furious. He will. Yeah, he'll be he'll be ordering off um, to Spain, lads. Off to Spain for the steroids, lads. <laughs> um, We'll just drop this little thing in. It is funny that, you know, it, it, as Pep continues to pretend he's the cleanest guy in the world, he did fail two drug tests while playing in Italy. And the, the doctor who gave him the supplements that he claims were tainted, because he claims he's completely innocent, uh, innocent, the doctor who gave him said supplements, he then hired as the Barcelona doctor. You know, that's always weird. Just a weird little thing. Anyway, uh, back to this game. Um, Brighton are at home I'm going to go with the Brighton win I'm going to go 2-0 to Brighton no, Neto's back Wolves yeah. are scoring I'll go do you know what, I'm going to go I'll go 3-2 to Brighton yeah, I think that'll be a fun game as well I do think it'll be a fun game Neto and Cunha will cause Brighton a lot of trouble Neto against the Stupin, and if Neto plays right side, that could be interesting, though in a 4-3-3, it's not really a direct battle. But if he goes 4-2-3-1, which he might have to because of the players he has available, Neto against Stupin will be a lot of fun to watch. But yeah, 3-2 to Brighton. And that was the last game. And that's it. That is us for today. Uh, Not here Monday, back Tuesday. So speak to you then. Take care of yourselves. Goodbye. Podcast Network.